This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Today we're going to be studying in Daniel chapter 9. Now before we get into Daniel chapter 9, I realized after last time's lesson that there were a couple of verses that I failed to try to explain in Daniel chapter 8, and that's Daniel chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. So let's read those two verses, give the little bit of explanation there is about that, and then we'll get into Daniel chapter 9. Daniel eight thirteen and 14, Daniel says, Then I heard one saint speaking to another saint, and said unto that certain saint which, saint which spake, how long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and of the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. That twenty-three hundred days, some say that represents the reign of Antiochus Epiphanes, when he oppressed the Jews for about six years from 171 to 165 B.C. And others say it represents the morning and evening sacrifices that were missed during the three-year period that the temple was desecrated. So that's what we're looking at there in Daniel chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. Now as we get into Daniel chapter 9, we see that thus far in this prophetical section of the book of Daniel, we've looked at four world empires in chapter 7, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. In chapter 8, we took a closer look at the Medo-Persian and Grecian Empire, and that's the second and third world empires as we looked at the ram and the he-goat. In chapter 9, the world powers recede from view and we see Daniel praying to God and then God answering his prayer. So Daniel chapter 9's theme is going to be Daniel's prayer and the 70 weeks. In Daniel 9, we are going to see the power of prayer. We're going to see that the, as James says in James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We're going to see how God is moved by the prayers of the righteous. We will see the power of God as he reveals to Daniel the prophecy of the 70 weeks. The time setting for Daniel chapter 9 is found in verse 1. Daniel chapter 9 verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Some claim that this Darius is the governor whom Cyrus had placed over the realm of Babylon in 539 B.C. when Babylon was conquered. That is the Darius that sent Daniel to the lion's den. Others claim that this is the Darius who ruled when the rebuilding of the temple began. The first year of his reign was 522 B.C., and it is rather doubtful that Daniel was still alive during his reign. 
So the date is probably between 539 and 536 B.C., and it being closer to 536 B.C. because of what is stated here in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Here we see Daniel and Jeremiah in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. It says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. <clears throat> Again, the first time that Babylon came in to take away captives from Jerusalem was in 606 B.C. And 70 years from that would be 536 B.C. So that's why we're probably closer to 536. Now let's, we see here that Daniel had read a book that Jeremiah had written that the Babylonian captivity was to last 70 years. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah now. First of all, chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And we're going to be reading there in verses 1 and 10. So Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 1. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captive, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And now let's look at verse 10. This is part of what was written. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. So Daniel had read that, and he knew that that 70 years was close. In Daniel, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 25 now, look at verses 11 and 12. Jeremiah 25, verses 11 and 12. It says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And it shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. So here in Daniel chapter 9, the Babylonian empire had been conquered because Darius there was the one who was in uh, leading or be the king there over that area before Cyrus came. So the Babylonians have already been conquered. Daniel would have also been familiar with Isaiah's prophecies against Babylon. You know, the entire chapters of Isaiah 13 and 14 were dedicated to that. Also, the amazing identification by Isaiah as Cyrus as being the conqueror of Babylon that would let the Jews return to Jerusalem to rebuild the, uh, the temple. Let's go to the book of Isaiah now, chapter 44. <clears throat> Isaiah 
chapter 44 <coughs> and we want to read there beginning in verse 26 and read down through chapter 45 verse 4 well, let's begin in verse 24, because that says, Thus saith the Lord, that's the beginning of the sentence. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from thy womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and spreadeth abroad the earth by, itself, by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, and turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish verse 26 that confirmeth the word of his servant and performeth the counsel of his messengers that saith to Jerusalem thou shalt be inhabited and to the cities of Judah ye shall be built and I will raise up the decayed places thereof that saith to the deep be dry and I will dry up thy rivers that saith of Cyrus he is my shepherd he shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. And remember, this was written 150 years before Cyrus was born. Now let's go to chapter 45, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue the kingdoms before him. And I will loose the loins of the kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. The two-leaved gates there refer to the gates of Babylon, 175 years before it was done. Now verse 2 of Isaiah 45. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, again referring to the gates of Babylon and cut in sunder the bars of iron, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden treasures of uh, hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which calleth thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by name, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So Daniel would have also known about these prophecies of Isaiah. And Daniel had calculated that the completion of that time was at hand, and there was no sign of it happening. So this prayer took place before the decree was made for the Jews to return to Jerusalem in 536. So again, what this is taking place somewhere between 539 and 536 B.C. I want to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 22. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 22. We'll see here when the decree was made. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah, or that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom 
and put it also in writing, saying, verse 23, Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord is God be with him, and let him go up. Now let's turn to the book of Ezra, chapter 1, and read verses 1 through 3. Ezra 1, 1 through 3. says a lot about the same thing that we just read. says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. So there is where the proclamation was made. Now according to the scriptures, if Israel was in captivity for sin and repented and confessed, then God would remember his covenant with Abraham. Let's now go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, and we're going to read verses 38 through 42. Leviticus, chapter 26, and we're going to read verses 38 through 42. It says, And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they have trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary to me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they accept the punishment of their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham. I will remember, and I will remember the land. In the book of Deuteronomy now, chapter 30, look at verses 1 through 5. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 5. It says there, And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shall return unto the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity, and have compassion upon thee, 
and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If it any of or if any of thine be driven out into the utmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. So here again we see that if they're in captivity for sin, which they are at the time of Daniel here, if they repent and confess, God would remember his prayer or his covenant with Abraham and bring them back into their land. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 19, we have Daniel's prayer. Daniel 9, 3 through 19. Now, as we go through his prayer, we're going to make four stops. In Daniel 9, verse 5, we're going to go to Jeremiah 5, 1, and I'll mention these again later. In Daniel 9, 6, we're going to go to Jeremiah 26, 8 through 11. In Daniel 9, 11, we're going to go to Deuteronomy 28, 63 and 64. And then when we get to verse 15, we will go to Joshua 3, 10 before we finish reading the prayer. So let's read verses 3 through 5 now in Daniel chapter 9, looking at Daniel's prayer. He says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes show a, a deep grief here. Daniel is very grieved. He is in deep sorrow. He is turning to God in prayer. Now let's look at verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, the word dreadful there means to revere, the God to be revered, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned, verse 5 and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and thy judgments. Now again, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1, to see an example of what Daniel is talking about. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. It says there, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. God said that to Jeremiah, and there was not one found that he could pardon the city. Now let's look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 6. It says, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Now let's go to Jeremiah 26, verses 8 through 11, and look at what Daniel is talking about here. 
Daniel, oh, excuse me, Jeremiah 26, verses 8 through 11. It says there, Now it came to pass, when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Now verse 10, when the princes of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priests and prophets unto the princes and all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city as ye have heard with your ears. So there's an example of what Daniel was praying about there in verse 6. Now let's read down through verse 11 of Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and are afar off, Though all, or excuse me, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. The Lord our God belong, or to the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Verse 11. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 28, verses 63 and 64 to see what Daniel is talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 63 and 64. It says, And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. We'll read verses 12 through 15 now. Jer uh, Daniel 9, 12 through 15. It says, And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judge us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. 
as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Verse 14. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord God, that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renowned as at this day, we have sinned and done wickedly. Let's stop there before we finish this prayer and go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 10. Joshua chapter 3, verse 10. That verse says, And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Now let's go back to Daniel's prayer and finish reading from verse 16 down through verse 19 of Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9:16 O Lord according to all thy righteousness I beseech thee let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem thy holy mountain because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us now therefore, O Lord God, or now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, verse 18, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. <laughs> o Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Daniel's prayer at this point is interrupted in verses 20 through 21. Daniel 9, 20 and 21. It says, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. All right, first of all, we'll notice that Gabriel, the one that he had seen in the vision, was caused to fly swiftly. Whenever you look up the Hebrew word swiftly, that's translated swiftly, Strong said that word means fatigue or to be utterly exhausted. 
So God, in answering his prayer, sent Gabriel, and Gabriel was to do it in a way that exhausted him in getting to Daniel. And he said he touched him about the time of the evening oblation. The word oblation there is the sacrifice, about the time of the evening sacrifice, which was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, when Gabriel got to Daniel, he made this declaration in Daniel 9, 22, and 23. Daniel 9, 22, and 23. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. The word skill there means insight, to be prudent to understand, according to Brown Driver Briggs. Now verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Gabriel said some things here to Daniel that should help us to understand how much our prayers, the prayers of a righteous man or a righteous woman, affect God. Because he said there in verse 23, at the beginning of thy supplications, when you first started praying, God gave the command, and I'm come to show you. And why? For thou art greatly beloved. If we are greatly beloved by God, our prayers have an effect on God. As we read earlier in James chapter 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <laughs> so God was going to answer Daniel's prayer. Now remember, God may not answer the prayers in the way that we hoped that he would, because God answers prayers in several different ways. God could say yes, as he did here with Daniel. God could say no, as when Jesus prayed in the garden three times for the cup to pass from him. And then he also prayed, but thou will be done and not mine. And God's answer was there's no, no, there's no way. No, the cup will not pass. God could answer our prayers in I'm going to give you something different, as he did with Paul. Whenever Paul said that he prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed from him, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. So no, God didn't give Paul what he had asked for, but he gave him something better, gave him his grace. And then God may also say, I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to give you much more. That's the way God answered Solomon's prayer Whenever Solomon requested wisdom, God gave him wisdom, but he gave him so much more. So here God is going to answer Daniel's prayer because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When we come to Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 27, we come to the vision of the 70 weeks. So let's read these verses and then we'll go back and discuss them. 
Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, verse 25, and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore, and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. Verse 26. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week shall he cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. The American Standard Version there adds wrath shall be poured upon the desolate. There are two views of these 70 weeks. One is the chronological view, the other is the non-chronological view. The chronological view states this. There are 70 sevens, and whenever you look up the Hebrew word there that is translated weeks, it means sevens. So it says there are 70 sevens, or 490 years, beginning with Ezra rebuilding Jerusalem in 458 B.C., and ending with the death of Christ 486 and a half years later. Now the main problem with this view is that Ezra did not rebuild Jerusalem. He beautified the temple, and he brought back the law to the people. But the passage also mentions the destruction of Jerusalem, which did not occur three and a half years after the death of Jesus, but it occurred in AD 70. Now, as we look at the non-chronological view, it states that the 77s are just simply a symbol for a final and complete decree of God with reference to the Jewish commonwealth. It was going to come to an end. The first week, beginning at the decree to build the city until it was rebuilt. All right, let's go look at a few passages now. The first week, again, begins with the decree to rebuild the city, and it ended when the city was rebuilt. Let's go to Ezra again and read chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Ezra chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 because this is the 
the beginning of the decree to build the city. We read again, Ezra 1, 1 through 3. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. <laughs> Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. So that's the beginning of the first week. Now we go to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. Nehemiah 6, verse 15. It says there, So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month, Elul in fifty and two days. So there we see that the city of Jerusalem was completed. It was rebuilt at that time. So that would be the completion there of the first week of the 70 weeks. And again, we read back over in Daniel chapter 9. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. All right, let's stop right there and let's go look at another one. We notice here that the city would be built in troublesome times. That's the end of verse 25. It said the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. That's again Daniel 9 there at the end of verse 25. Now let's go back to the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to read of those troublesome or troublous times. <laughs> First, Nehemiah 2, 17 through 19. Nehemiah 2, 17 through 19. Nehemiah speaking says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Verse 19, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, and despised us, and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? In Nehemiah chapter 4, look at verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and took great indignation, and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? 
Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So we see that they're being mocked. It's troublesome times there in rebuilding the city. <coughs> now look at Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9. Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches were and the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth, and they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So the city was rebuilt during the troublesome times, or the troublous times. Now back in Daniel chapter 9, the next 62 weeks of the vision here would occur between the completion of the city and the temple and the coming of the Messiah. Those would be during the time there that Daniel was actually prophesying of, is it not? But these are those years there between the Old and the New Testaments. Those are 62 weeks. So that gives us 63 weeks in total. Now we come to the last seven of the 70. In Daniel 9:24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, upon the holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, <coughs> excuse me, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy. All right, first, uh, excuse me, and to anoint the most holy. All of those things deal with one thing, that the Messiah would come to deal with the problem of human sin. He would introduce a system that would provide a solution to the human sin predicament. Sinning would not end, but the Messiah would bring the means by which sins could be forgiven. And that was his perfect sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. It mentions there that it would bring in everlasting righteousness. That would be the gospel plan of salvation. Whenever we obey what God has commanded us to do for salvation, Hear his word, Romans 10, 17. Believe Jesus Christ as the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of our sins, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess the deity of Jesus Christ. There in Acts chapter 8, where the Ethiopian eunuch did that. And then we are immersed in water for the remission of our sins, Acts 22, 16. That brings in everlasting righteousness because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But notice something else it said it would do there. At the end of verse 24, it says to seal up the vision and prophecy. The word seal there means to make an end. Or in other words, whenever that happened, vision and prophecy would be fulfilled 
and the need for vision and prophecy would become obsolete. That's why there are no more miracles and visions and prophecies today. We don't need them. We have the completed word of God. I want to go to a couple of other verses concerning this or passages. First of all, go to Zechariah 13, verses 1 through 3. Zechariah 13, verses 1 through 3. And this is talking about the same time period that we're looking at there in those last seven weeks in Daniel 9. It says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Again, talking about the time of the Messiah. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Verse 3, And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that beget him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that beget him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. In other words, anyone that has prophesied since the first century, and we'll see that those miracles came to an end back then, they're false prophets. They're false. They're lying. Anyone today that says that God speaks to them in any way other than the Word of God, the Bible is how God speaks to us today. If anybody says that, they're lying. If they say that, God has spoken unto them in some other way. If they try to give prophecies and things like that, we know that they are lying. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verses 8 through 10. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10. It says there, Love never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, that is the miraculous speaking in foreign languages, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge or miraculous knowledge, it shall vanish away. And then Paul says in verse 9, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, Paul is saying not all of the completed Word of God is here. We're prophesying parts of it. We're, we know parts of it. But he says in verse 10, But when that which is perfect, the word perfect there comes from the Greek word that means complete. That which is complete. And it's not, whenever you look up the gender of that word, it's not male, so it's not Christ. There are some that say, well, that, that, when love is completed, no, love is always written in the feminine gender. This is not in the feminine gender. This is in the neuter gender, which means there is not fail, male nor <coughs> excuse me, female. So when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So when the complete is come, then all those miracles would come to an end. Now, what was that? When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. <clears throat> but when I become a man, I put away childish things. Right there, Paul is comparing those miracles to childish things. Whenever he's mature, doesn't do those things anymore. Verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly. He goes, now we see, we, you know, we're getting parts of the word of God, we're seeing through it. But he goes, but then shall I know even as also I am known. 
In other words, whenever the completed word of God comes, then that's all we need. That's all we need. Verse 13, And now abideth faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. So when the perfect, the completed word of God came, those miracles and all were no longer needed. They became obsolete. They became obsolete. Now he mentions also there in Daniel chapter 9 that he would anoint the most holy. The most holy there refers to Christ. His anointing refer, would refer to the beginning of his ministry at his baptism. Matthew chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. And we're going ahead and continue on because of time restraints. It said it would also confirm the covenant with many or make the covenant firm. Through the life of Jesus Christ, through his life and death, he confirmed salvation to those that are obedient to him. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. We also see that he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's there in the middle of verse 27. Jewish sacrifices would end because of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. I want to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. That verse says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And that's talking about the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Hebrews 10, 9 and 10. It says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. It's talking about Christ before he became man. He taketh away the first, that's the law of Moses, that he may establish the second, that's the law of Christ, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. <coughs> but we'll also notice something else here in Daniel chapter 9. And that is that the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple would happen again. It's going to happen again. When we read there in verse 26, Messiah would be cut off. That's whenever Christ would die. Not for himself, of course. And then it says, The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The prince there refers to Titus, who was the Roman general that destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70. It talks about there that after the sanctuary is destroyed, that being the temple, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. The word flood there is referring to judgment. God's judgment would come again upon the city of Jerusalem. And then we see that the abominations of desolation, there in verse 27, and for the overspreading, this is about the middle of the verse, for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. 
the abomination of desolations. Look in Matthew 24, 15, and 16. And remember what is being referred to there in Daniel. Matthew 24, 15, and 16. And when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. There are a lot of people that are trying to say that these are signs of the second coming of Christ. No, they're signs of the destruction of Jerusalem. Talking about the prince that would destroy the sanctuary in the city, that being Titus in A.D. 70. The abomination of desolations he's talking about here is the Roman army. That's who Daniel was talking about, the Roman army that would come in. And why would that be left desolate? Look at Matthew 23, 37 to 39. Matthew 23, 37 to 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, that being the temple. Jesus said it's no longer God's house, it's your house, and it's going to be destroyed by the abomination of desolations the Roman army. Verse 39, For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till the day that ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In Daniel chapter 9, we see the power of prayer. We see how God is moved by a righteous man or woman's prayers. We saw the power of God as he allowed Daniel to once again see into the distant future. And in that distant future, we saw the destruction that comes to those who reject God. You know, God is patient. God is long-suffering, just as he was with the nation of Israel. But as then, so now, someday God's patience will run out. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.